and welcome to this evening's episode of the Mary Trump Show. We're doing an Ask Mary Anything Within Reason. But before that, I wanted to address a couple of things. First of all, on Tuesday's show, Danielle and Jen and I were talking about, uh, actually, I asked a question about Dianne Feinstein, a senator, Democratic senator from California. And I was asking a question out of curiosity. I wasn't coming at it with uh, any kind of judgment at all, but I had read that uh, she is up for re-election in 2024. So her term, I guess that means her term would end in January, 2025. She's 89 years old now. And um, when asked if she's going to run, so she said, first of all, she has no plans in stepping down. And secondly, she does has not yet decided whether or not she's going to run for another six-year term in uh, November 2024. So my question was simply, shouldn't there be some limit, especially given the fact that there have been documented complaints about her cognitive decline? Uh, so... I don't honestly remember specifically what the comments were that, that upset people, but uh, quite a number of people thought uh, the three of us in different ways were being ageist. And I just, you know, I'm only going to speak for myself. Um, uh, although I will say I did not get that sense from anything that Jen or Danielle said, granted, I don't belong to the group we were discussing, um, but I did start the conversation talking about a sp specific person, Diane Feinstein. But my point was also that it wasn't simply her age or anybody's age. It's the fact that a lot of these senators serve for decades. And that creates a whole different set of issues. They become so out of touch with their constituents that I think it's very difficult for them to uh, really understand what their constituents need from them. The other thing that certainly happened in Feinstein's case is that the California electorate has become much more liberal than she is. Like, I don't know that she has evolved politically to the same degree her constituents have. No, granted, she's, get she's getting reelected. I mean, not fair is fair. However, uh, the power of an incumbency, especially long-term incumbency, can be denied. And I don't know, uh, and again, the, I, the reason she's getting reelected is because she's not being primaried. So she's only running against Republicans. So, um, I, and this isn't about beating up on Dianne Feinstein. This is about discussing the issue and the charges of ageism. So um, I sincerely apologize, uh, if I was ageist, I it was not my intention. Um, it, it was more, let, let me put it this way. Um, I feel that if you become a Senator at 30 and you serve for like 24, 30, 36 years, even though you're still a relatively young person, that's too long. You know, people need to take a break and have other kinds of life experience. Uh, it just, um, I, I think one of the things we've seen in the Senate is that the, the way it operates and the kind of collegiality that exists there creates situations in which only the Democrats for some reason, but that the Democrats are willing to give their colleagues on the other side of the aisle credit where none is deserved simply because they've known them forever and they belong to the same club. Again, Republicans don't ever give their Democratic colleagues <laughs> the same uh, respect, but that's part of the problem. Um, anyway, I, I would actually, uh, if anybody is listening tonight, who was listening on Tuesday, and I hope you are, because I would, I would like, I think it's a conversation worth having. And you know, the other thing I said, and this is, this is just for me. Um, if I belong to a demographic group that's getting getting criticized, I never take it personally. So maybe that's a perspective I need to reconsider. Um, not that, not that I need to take it personally, but that other people do. Uh, so I, I did want to touch on that um, because there were quite a number of comments. Um, 
And the other, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, something else happened today. <laughs> you may have heard that uh, the former most powerful person on the planet, the former leader of the free world, do I really have to say this out loud? It's so, I, you know what? I, I'm trying to think of ways to describe my reaction to the news that Donald's huge, important announcement that America needs a superhero, right? Wasn't anything that any sane person might have thought it was. He wasn't announcing who his vice presidential running mate was going to be. He wasn't announcing a huge lawsuit uh, against somebody who'd hurt his feelings. He wasn't announcing, and I actually thought this might have been a possibility. He wasn't announcing that he was going to run as an independent, like having taken a cue from Kirsten Cinema, or that he was starting his own party. Uh, he wasn't announcing anything in the realm of possibility if you live in reality. So, again, former most powerful person on the planet, leader of the free world, announced that uh, he's basically starting uh, to sell trading cards, which is bad enough. And actually, he's referred to them as NFTs, um, which I believe stands for non-fungible tokens. And don't get me wrong. I don't know anything about them. I don't want to. I think the whole cryptocurrency NFT thing is just a massive scam. But I don't even know enough about them to know if that's true because I have no interest in them, uh, you know, unless and until it's a problem I need to pay attention to. And right now it's, it's just totally beyond my capacity to understand or uh, totally outside of my wheelhouse. So um, I don't believe that that's what they are. I think they're literally just trading cards with uh, like um, that thing you scan. I don't know why I can't think of the word because it's, you know, instead of menus, we have to take a picture of that uh, pattern <laughs> to get the menu on our phone. I think it's literally just a playing card with that on it that makes you eligible to win prizes. So in other words, it's not like you buy a, hundred, a $99 card from him and then you can sell it in a, an open market for the same amount of money because it keeps its value. So it's very confusing. I mean, it's clearly a scam. I just don't know if it was particularly well thought through. But I think one of the worst things about this, uh, well, first of all, personally, was that it shocked me. I literally thought I was beyond being surprised by anything these people do. But when I saw the news, I saw it on Twitter, and of course I thought it was a joke. So I made sure that was actually what was happening. And my jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe, one, that he was willing to, again, yes, yeah, stoop that low, but not not characterize it as a huge major announcement that was going to change the freaking world, you know, like have a little bit of insight into what you're doing, what you're, what you're playing at. And also that, do you know how many people needed to sign off on this thing? So yeah, my jaw was on the floor for a very long time. It became uncomfortable at some point. Um, and then, and then there was a video. He literally shot an infomercial about his little trading cards. And it was one of the most, uh, it was an exercise in just a total delusion and abject narcissism that I've seen uh, probably possibly ever. Um, he hoped that he was everybody's favorite president because how could he not be? And then he basically made it clear that he should be because he's a better president than Lincoln and Washington. 
probably combined. Uh, and then, you know, he got down to the the trading cards and, and why you should buy them. Please don't buy them. And what great art they are. And um, I guess they make good Christmas presents in case you've run out of coal and you hate somebody, you can buy these trading cards. So once I kind of wrap my head around what was happening it was it was like watching somebody decompensate in front of me uh which makes me uncomfortable quite honestly because um on the one hand i don't i don't want anybody i just don't think it's a good situation for these kinds of things to happen so publicly um but it it the whole thing made me uncomfortable uncomfortable for another reason and I've said this before, but this was the most egregious example of what I'm talking about. I've often thought, is there not one person, one person in Donald's inner circle who cares even the tiniest bit for him? Are they really all just looking for the next buck and willing to take advantage of his willingness to grift off of anything and demean himself. And again, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not asking anybody to feel pity or uh, any anything for him. Uh, he's a terrible person who's committed horrible crimes and uh, destroyed lives. So <laughs> it isn't that. It's more like this is still the leader of the Republican Party. This is still the most powerful person in the Republican Party, which makes him one of the most powerful people in America. And his closest advisors are telling him, yes, the best use of your time and your power is to start a new grift by selling trading cards. When you've just announced your run for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. What is happening? It is so dangerous and so damaging. And it just shows you that there is absolutely nobody in charge who cares about anything beyond themselves. So, look, I am more than happy for the Republican Party to implode. In fact, I think it would be a really good thing for this party to, uh, to get to the point where it has absolutely no chance of winning any national elections, at least, at least for the rest of my daughter's lifetime. Like that's, that's what I'm gunning for, quite honestly. Um, yeah, I, I know one party rule is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> remember, this, this is the party that is threatening to shut down the government and tank the global economy um, if they don't succeed in blackmailing Democrats into passing legislation or not passing legislation uh, to help the American people. Uh, this is the party that made it necessary, necessary to create the um, Respect for Marriage Act which, by the way, isn't only about protecting same-sex marriages. It's about protecting interracial marriages because we cannot even take that for granted anymore. This is the party that almost unanimously in the House voted against the right to birth control. So, yeah, I would be totally cool. Oh, uh, how could I forget this? This is the party that is making it more and more difficult for people who won't vote for them to vote in this country. They've almost completely destroyed the Voting Rights Act. Well, that, I mean, we have to give John Roberts a lot of credit for that too, but the Republicans are all in on destroying the Voting Rights Act, which uh, negatively impacts mostly black Americans. Um, you know, again, they if they have the, uh, the chance they will turn America into a fascist autocracy. So, so yeah, I'm absolutely fine with keeping them out of power until they clean house and put together a party that makes sense and let the Democrats 
run the show for a bit and maybe the American people will see that, wow, okay, the Democrats really are the party who care about the real lives of the American people and making them better. So it was just a, a reminder that, you know, this is what happens when you let, when you let anybody run rampant and, and never rein them in ever. I, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that part of this was in response to the fact that Donald's announcement uh, for his run, you know, uh, when he announced that he was running for president kind of didn't really go over very well. Uh, it certainly didn't make the kind of splash that he imagined it would. Um, this is what he is seeing. I saw this on Twitter, actually. It's quite funny. He is the only Republican right now running for president, and he's coming in third in the Republican Party. Like, he's behind DeSantis, and I don't know. <laughs> so that's that's not playing well with him. Plus, of course, uh, the... Well, I, you know, we talked about this, you know, the, the, the doors closing in thing. I mean, they've been closing in for like my entire lifetime and they're still open. So I don't know if it's that so much as things are getting real in certain cases in Georgia. And I think the appointment of Jack Smith uh, probably sent up a flare for him. Um, but whatever the case, uh, I just, I found the trading card thing is just, it, it's just beyond the pale and very difficult to grapple with. So forgive me for going on so long about it, but I do think it it's, it's an important development because it just shows you what, this is what the Republican party has been willing to accept, put up with, manipulate and uh, use to its benefit. And let's be clear about this. If for whatever reason, Donald does win the Republican nomination, every single one of them to a person, including Mitch McConnell, who pretended to be horrified about Donald's anti-Semitism and white supremacy, every single one of these people will support him. Even if uh, silently. And they'll vote for him. So let's, let's not kid ourselves. Um, anyway, thanks for letting me vent. Um, glad my jaw's still working. Wasn't sure <laughs> if it would. All right. I want to get to your questions. Um, all right. From Janice in St. Louis, uh, Missouri with wins for Democrats in Arizona and Georgia, is it time for a 50 state strategy? What might that look like? I always think it's time for a 50 state strategy. Uh, I credit Howard Dean with that. I don't understand why it was dropped, especially since I just saw this statistic recently. Um, every, I think 96% of house races that were won were, were won, sorry, by the candidate who spent more money. So that is a, a, a horrible indictment of, yet another indictment of John Roberts Supreme Court and um, the Citizens United decision. Um, just the fact that money is a factor in any election is deeply anti-democratic and disturbing. Uh, and I, it's one of the reasons that I think uh, people like Val Demings, who ran for Senate against um, Marco Rubio in Florida, didn't get the support she needed. Um, I, I'm not sure Sherry Beasley got the support she needed or Mandela Jones in Wisconsin. And in races, like when you're going at a comp uh, an incumbent, uh, especially, you know, if one isn't particularly uh, popular, like Rubio is not popular, Ron Johnson not popular, um, a little extra money helps. I don't think that Tim Ryan running against J.D. Vance got enough financial help from the DCCC. So I think we need to figure out, and I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting spending money and endangering candidates who have better chances, but we need to figure out a way, whether it's um, getting, getting uh, support on the ground or 
just getting endorsements or whatever. We need to make it clear that we will fight for every single race in whatever way we can at every level of government. Um, you know, I think we, we came so close to losing the Senate. We came so close to winning more seats in the Senate. We came so close to the House. We need to play everywhere. Uh, and people will say, well, you know, why, why waste money running a Democrat against somebody like uh, God, Green in Georgia? Because one, she won her primary by 30 points. And two, she's in a, a district that's so gerrymandered, a Democrat literally can't win. Um, I think a Democrat would lose against a dead Republican in such a district. But part of it is educating people. And also, you never know when the lines are going to change. So there are districts that are, are, you know, gerrymandered out of reach right now. But if if the lines change, we might have a better shot. Introduce people to your ideas. Introduce people to the fact that Democrats actually do care. And also call out the Republican incumbent on the awful things they've done. You know, uh, Green's supporters have said that one of the reasons they support her is because they were so incensed when she lost her committee positions in Congress. Well, there was nobody running against her to tell them why she did. Because she, I actually don't remember specifically the reason anymore. I should look it up. But it was either because she said something hateful and anti-Semitic and white supremacist, or she called for the assassination of Nancy Pelosi or something outrageous that required serious punitive action against her um so without a democrat running against her to set the record straight basically democrats got punished for doing the right thing you know so yeah janice i agree with you completely um let's see from tim in philadelphia hunter biden and other issues will be investigated by the house in 2023 What's the best way to show everyone that the Republicans are ignoring the real issues facing us all? Well, I think one of the ways to do that is to let them do what they're going to do and be very publicly in opposition. Um, point out their hypocrisy. Like if I were Hunter Biden, I'm not answering a congressional subpoena after the shit they pulled during January, the, you know, during the January 6th committee investigations. No way. And let them explain that. Uh, obviously, they don't care about their hypocrisy. But, you know, make it clear. Make it clear. Uh, what they're doing is manipulative. Also, um, just, just keep, the Democrats just need to keep doing what they've been doing. Certainly in the Senate. Obviously in the House they can't. But just run on your record. You know, let the American people know that, all of these steps were taken to mitigate the negative impacts of high gas prices and inflation, for example, in terms of job growth, uh, wage increases, on and on and on. I mean, the Respect for Marriage Act and um, all the economic, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which really needs to, that name needs to be changed. All of the massive legislation that, that, was able to get passed despite the razor thin margins and just okay how is an investigation into hunter biden who never ran for anything how does that help how does that help my family you know get through difficult economic times they have no answers for anything they're all they're just chaos agents um, and I think the Democrats are going to have to start calling their bluff sometimes too. Um, you know, I, I wish the debt ceiling were taken off the table as a bargaining chip, because again, the Republicans are the only ones who ever threaten to blow up the world if they don't get their way. Uh, and I think Democrats need to stop putting themselves in a position of, you know, being blackmailed like that. Um, from Christina in Los Angeles, the Respect for Marriage Act's great for preemptively protecting our rights from the courts in the lame duck. Are there other any other issues that need to be taken up? Yep, uh, the one I just mentioned. Uh, there is a way to 
increased the debt limit so greatly that um, we we won't blow through uh, we won't blow through it for years. In which case, the Republicans wouldn't be able to use it to blackmail us um, to do things they want or to force us to do things we don't want to do. Um, I, it's really tough. Well, one thing that they are doing, they're pushing through judges, and that's phenomenal. I just saw that the Biden administration has nominated 11, I think, not just black, but black women to the appeals court, which is just so great. You know, when Donald was in the Oval Office, I think like 99.9% of his judges were white and 89% of them were men. Those aren't real statistics, but they the numbers were just absurdly racist and, and sexist. Um, it's As for the rest, it's we still have 51. So cinema, and yeah, I know she played her stupid game and became an independent, but she's still going to vote the same way. Uh, so, but with 51, either she and or uh, Manchin still have the power to play spoiler. We can't get rid of the filibuster. We can't do anything about voting rights without one of them. So I, I'm not really sure what we can do. Uh, all I will say is that I hope they're doing it, whatever it is. Um, from Poland, Albany. If you have the misfortune of reading Republican headlines, many of them are focused on how they believe they can make gains with minorities. Fact, fiction, what gives? Donald is getting his butt kicked by dissenters in the polls. Will he give up? Who is worse? Oh, that's many, many questions. All right. Um, I think that uh, Republicans aren't interested in making gains with any uh, minority group. Uh, I think, in fact, if anything, they just are doing more to harm them. Uh, the Republicans' goal is to continue to rig the system in their favor so that it doesn't matter anymore, so that they can win with like 35% of the vote. We've seen this. I think it's Wisconsin is probably one of the most gerrymandered states in the country. And in order to win 50% of seats in the state legislature, Democrats would have to win something like 65% of the statewide vote. It's so wrong. So Republicans with, I think, fewer than 50% of the vote have supermajorities in the state legislature, uh, effectively making it almost impossible for Democrats to do anything. And there's a Democratic governor there, and his hands are almost completely tied. It's just... it. It's just incredible. Um, I mean, that may have shifted in this election. I'm not sure, but it's not even a situation that should be allowed to happen or, or even something we should have to worry about. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fiction that they they care about uh, reaching out to certain communities in any substantive way. Um, Donald, I, you know, after today, I really don't know what Donald is going to do. I really don't. I mean, I, I still believe that his his announcement or his run is sort of fictional. Um, I mean, he's pretending to run because he thinks it gives him cover. Also, it's probably a really good way for him to keep grifting off of people and raising money. Um, I, I've heard like speculation that this trading card thing is a way to launder money. Who knows? But it's all about either staying out of trouble or making money. And uh, I, but that having been said, he can't give up. He needs to figure out a way to, um, I guess, change his mind without making it seem like he's being a loser. Good luck with that. Because seriously, if you see these trading cards, All right. Um, from Eric in Tampa, how do we minimize? How can we minimize the impact of radicalized courts? Is there anything we can do as citizens? Hey, you know what? Um, I hate this answer, but the answer is to vote in more Democrats. Um, I find this deeply frustrating. The Supreme Court, in its current incarnation, is wholly Ill illegitimate, in my view. 
It's dangerous. It is the most dangerous entity to democracy in my lifetime, certainly. And the the fact that there's nothing we can do just makes no sense to me whatsoever. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like saying, oh, yeah, well, Donald incited an insurrection, but he got away with it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to indict him and you're going to try him and you're hopefully going to convict him and then you're going to figure out how to punish him. I mean, that's the same thing with this court. Oh, well, you know, Kavanaugh, sorry, Gorsuch is illegitimately on the court because Mitch McConnell stole uh, the seat from Eric Garland and uh, Kavanaugh was under investigation by the FBI, but they didn't really bother to check anything. And Coney Barrett is just a religious fanatic uh and you know clarence thomas shouldn't have been on the court anyway and alito committed perjury when he was testifying at his nomination hearing so it's wholly illegitimate but it's almost like well yeah but they're on the court now oh well and what makes it so much worse is that they're on the court for generations the supreme court is so out of touch with the mainstream of Americans. Like, they're another reason that the Senate needed to pass the Respect for Marriage Act. Because you know that if given a chance, they will overturn Obergefell. If given a chance, they will get rid of the right to privacy, which means the right to things like birth control. I mean, that's where we're heading. So I really hope somebody, like not that bullshit committee that President Biden, President Biden put together just to kick the can down the road because I guess he didn't want to deal with it. I hope somebody is, is making inroads into this issue because it is extraordinarily serious. Everything depends on the Supreme Court. Whether and how we deal with climate change, whether women are second-class citizens and pregnant people have a right to bodily autonomy, whether people of color are allowed full access to the franchise. I mean, everything is at stake here. And I'd like to think that given how egregious some of the recent decisions would have been, you know, regarding gun control and, and this ridiculously dangerous um, uh, independent elector theory that they may well uh, endorse, which would completely destroy democracy. <laughs> you know, so I'm hoping President Biden is looking at this and saying, you know what, um, maybe a commission that wasn't going to come up with any any real solutions wasn't the best way to go. Let's let's do something hardcore. Uh, let's see from Rick in Salt Lake City, Utah. After the Twitter takeover, all media seemed suspect. Will MSNBC and other big business channels still have their influence or is it up to the passionate people on the ground and podcasters like you? Well, thank you, Rick. Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, MSNBC seems to be the, the last uh, cable channel standing when it comes to being relatively even keeled. Uh, CNN has gone off the deep end as if we needed more right-wing media. I'm really not sure what that was about. But MSNBC is firing black journal journalists and hosts right and left. I mean, it's I, I don't know what's happening there. Um, so two things need to happen. I think very rich people who are sympathetic, at least, to the Democratic cause need to start investing in media, in big media. Like there should be, you know, democratic, uh, basically equal and opposite to uh, channels to Fox and OAN and Newsmax. I mean, with this difference, of course, they would be dealing with facts, not with the lies that are peddled by Fox and OAN and Newsmax. Uh, the other thing is um, independent media need to be supported more um, you know, whether it's podcasters or YouTubers or what have you, we need, uh, I think we need to redefine how people get their information and their news. 
Twitter was again a really great news aggregator. Like I didn't go to Twitter to get my news. I went to Twitter to figure out where to go. Right. Um, there are a lot of sources on Twitter I trust. And if they're telling me this is a great article, you know, in, in the Washington Post or uh, talking points memo or the where, wherever, then that I knew where to go. Like we can't read everything all the time. Right. So, so Twitter has been really useful for that. Um, and yeah, we need, we need a place to go to, to figure out what the best sources of information are um, because we, we have both hands tied behind our back here and we're not keeping up. And corporate media is failing us miserably. So, and I'm looking at you, Dean Baquet and the New York Times. Uh, so it's it's just something we need to keep trying to figure out. Um, from Carlin, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Have you been on Mastodon? What do you think of it and other emergent public platforms? I have not been on Mastodon. I hear from so many people that it's really confusing and I don't really get all the other server stuff. I'm, I'm, well, I was going to say I'm busy. Well, everybody's busy, but <laughs> let me, so let me, let me rephrase that. I don't, f I, I am very upset about Twitter. I'm very reluctant to concede that it's almost over or that it might be over. And I think looking at other platforms is, is to concede that it, it, uh, you know, we're all going to be going somewhere else and I'm just not ready to do that. Also, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a technophobe by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just not that interested in like checking out new internet things. Um, but I, when I'm ready, uh, the 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 one I've seen that seems to be rising to the top uh, is Post. That's probably, I probably will start to have a presence on Post. Um, but again, unless and until uh, Twitter finally ends um i'm staying on twitter but and you know i i have a Substack that i need to uh reboot so my goal for the new year is is to have my Substack be the place where people can go if they're interested in what i want to say um beyond you know i i the things i write about on my Substack are slightly different from the things to talk about here and um, I'm trying to figure out ways to engage on my Substack uh, more. Uh, you know, it's tricky. It's not Twitter. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out ways to spark conversations there and, and just be a little bit more interactive. So I'm working on that. I'll keep you all posted. Absolutely. From Marcus in Houston, Texas. Inflation is starting to slow down. Unemployment is still low. Is it time for Biden and our party for, to start hyping the fact that we're... Yes, Marcus, they should have been doing this even when gas prices were high and inflation was high. And I'll tell you why. First of all, because no no leader in any country, with the possible, possible exception of Saudi Arabia, because they can manipulate oil prices, is responsible for inflation or high gas prices. This is a global, these were global phenomena cr created by the war in Ukraine and again the manipulation of oil prices by Saudi Arabia. So in the midst of that, they were still creating millions of jobs. In the midst of that, wages were still rising. They weren't keeping tr up with inflation, but they were at least doing something to mitigate the damage of high inflation and high gas prices. So there was already plenty to be celebrating, quite honestly. And besides, I think it was worth pointing out that much of this is um, is created by market manipulation on the one hand and price gouging on the other. It, not enough was all we heard in newspapers was hmm, gas prices are higher again today. They're at their highest, blah, blah, blah. How many times did you hear major news outlets saying, well, uh, yes, gas prices are high and and most, you know, working Americans are suffering for it, but every single gas corporation has made record high profits. Um, hmm. Really? 
I think that's called price gouging. I don't understand why the government doesn't have any kind of control mechanism over these things, but when gas prices are going up, I don't, I, I guess they were, they got really high, like at the 450 high $4. I don't, I don't remember because I live in New York city, so I don't drive. <laughs> so, um, I, I didn't keep too close track, but, uh, they've got very, very high, but ExxonMobil or BP or Shell made $18 billion in profits at, in the same time period. I, this is not rocket science. So it's just sort of extraordinary how the mainstream media choose only to tell one half of the story. And also, it's, it's not an accident that, they, that gas prices are going down now because Saudi Arabia didn't win the election in November which clearly they wanted to do. Um, from Javier and Boston, Mass. Would you support a Biden run for re-election or is it time for the oligarch to give way to those more familiar with the issues affecting all of us who are under 60? Okay. This sort of relates to what I started with at the beginning of the show. Um, is it ageism to say that somebody who's been serving in the Senate for decades and has clearly shown signs of cognitive decline uh, that this person maybe should not run for a re-election for a six-year term when she's 91. I personally don't think that's ageist, but um, there's no, I'm a hundred percent in support of President Biden's re-election bid if he chooses to run again. He has, I, I think it's fair to say at this point, been the best president in my lifetime, the best, it's the best first term presidency in my lifetime. I think that's fair to say. So there's no reason for him not to run. Like if you, his only reason for not to run is because he's 80. Well, that is ageist. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see any problem with his, his running again. Uh, so yes, I support him. And again, it's a slightly different issue. I think we see, we see what happened in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi, I believe she's 79 or 80. Um, she's sharp as a tack. She could have kept going as Speaker of the House. But she saw, oh, well, and also don't forget the fact that she may have had to factor in uh, the reality that her husband was brutally beaten by somebody who wanted to assassinate her Thank you. Thanks to the violent rhetoric that we continue to see on the right. But, you know, I don't know if that did factor in, but um, it, it well might have. Anyway, though, she saw an opportunity to say, you know what, I've, I've done, I've accomplished a lot, and it's, it is time to pass the torch to the next generation. And it wasn't just her. The entire Democratic leadership in the house pass the baton to Hakeem Jeffries, who will be the democratic leader and two other people. I got, I think they're all gen gen Xers, um, but on the younger side of gen X. And that was really cool, you know, and uh, that's not because they didn't have another decade in them. It's because they saw that this was the time. And I have a lot of respect for that. President Biden doesn't need to do that. He's only been president for two years. Not even. Not even two years. Think about everything he came into office having to fix. We were dealing with three massive crises. An economic meltdown. An out-of-control COVID pandemic. And the most serious threats to our democracy since the Civil War. Look at everything this man and his administration and the Democrats have, have accomplished. And again, with a 50-50 Senate and a tiny majority in the House, there's no reason for him not to run again. Unless, you know, unless there are health issues, but you could say that about anybody. It's a stressful job. Look what happened to Barack Obama's hair. We have no idea what happened to Donald's hair uh, during his four years. 
Uh, let's see. From Howard in Portland, Oregon. Social Security and Medicare are under threat from the new Congress. Is this the kryptonite we can hang around the necks of vulnerable Republicans? I don't, I hope so, but I have to be honest with you. They've been threatening Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid forever. I, I don't understand. I literally don't understand anymore why anybody votes for Republicans. I haven't the foggiest idea. Oh, and I also want to say another, another, a uh, comment we got about Tuesday is that Danielle referred to social security as an entitlement. Um, I, again, I don't want to speak for her, but I think it's, that is sort of shorthand that people use sometimes. It's not an entitlement. It's, it's just lingo. So, you know, please, it's nobody, nobody is saying that um, it's, it's a, it's a gift. Everybody earns their own social security. It's just like that when um, the FBI served a search warrant down at Mar-a-Lago, a lot of people refer to it as a raid, even though it wasn't, it's just, it's just a term of art. And okay. So we'll, we just need to be more specific in our language, I guess. But yeah, uh, there's social security is, is, should be sacrosanct. I don't, I'm not sure why, we don't protect these things in perpetuity. And I, I honestly don't understand why it would be a selling point for Republicans. So yes, it should absolutely be hung around their necks like an albatross, just like Donald should be hung around their necks as an albatross. And that's, that's the other thing I forgot to say about this whole trading card thing. Um, what worries me is that the Republicans are going to start, are going to use it as an opportunity to start saying, mm, you know what? something off about this guy. I, he's really losing it. Uh, he's not the guy for us. We need to go in a different direction and then try to just get rid of Donald without taking any responsibility for Donald. So um, we need to hang all sorts of albatrosses around the Republicans necks because uh, I cannot think of one issue they're right about. In fact, I can't think of one policy that they're for. Name me one Republican po policy other than tax cuts for rich people. Everything else is just um, grievance and attempts to take away rights from other people so they can hang on to power illegitimately. I think that about sums up the whole Republican Party. I could be wrong. All right. I have talked for a very long time. <laughs> so I didn't get to all your questions, but I got to a lot of them. Um, and thank you for letting me kind of clear the air. If I did, if I made things worse, let me know. That happens sometimes. Uh, and also for letting me work through this whole trading card NFT thing. It's, it's deeply disturbing. <laughs> but it's a day ending and why. So I guess that shouldn't be too surprising. Anyway, this is this is the last show uh, before our live event at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles on this coming Monday, December 19th. Yes, December 19th. I got it right this time. It's still going to be 2022. Really excited about it. A little nervous, quite honestly. Um, but it's a sold out show. Uh, it's going to be me, Waj, and Jen, and a special local guest who's awesome. Everybody who's going to the show is going to love him. Oh, I gave I gave it away. I gave a hint. He's a him. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, so yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, I heard. I don't know if it's true. Quite honestly, I haven't been able to um, corroborate it, but there's a possibility that uh, the January 6th committee is holding a hearing on Monday during the day. If that is indeed the case, then we will um, have a, we will live stream it with as many nerds uh, and guests as we can get. Um, I really hope so. Cause it would just give us fodder for the live show, you know? But we'll certainly keep you posted about that. I I don't know what's happening on Tuesday. I'm Jen and I are going to be flying, so 
that might make it a little tricky. Um, but we'll we'll keep you posted about everything. Uh, and yeah, hopefully we'll have a live stream. I would love for the band that is a January 6th committee to get back together. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, appreciate your comments. Honestly, even, even when you're being critical, I know it's constructive criticism. Uh, and, and I do, I can't read comments during the show, but I, I try to read them after. Um, so it matters to me and I, I don't want to be hurting anybody's feelings and I, I don't want to be misspeaking. So I do, I do appreciate constructive criticism, constructive being the operative word. Uh, all right. That is it for us tonight. Thank you again so much. Um, I will see some of you hopefully on Monday in Los Angeles. And uh, as for the rest, I will, I will let you know when I know. All right. Have a wonderful night. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and be kind. Mm -hmm.